Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, and today I'm joined by Mr. Chris Hutton. Let's get into the news of today. And the first one is that Minister of Public Enterprises, Prabhin Gordon, has finally approved the sale of ESCOM's distribution assets to a new state-owned company. So this has been in the works since 2019 when President Ramaphosa promised that as part of trying to get ESCOM to work better, it was going to be split up into smaller units, uh, one of which was going to be a distribution unit. So that'll be separate from the people who make electricity will be in a different company to the people who actually send the electricity out to uh, uh, the places it needs to be. Well, um, this uh, this has taken a really long time. Andre Dureta said, I think it was last year, while he was still ESCOM CEO, that uh, he'd actually done all the paperwork for this distribution company to be set up. And yet the national energy regulator just seems to have been dragging its feet. Uh, in fact, it needs three licenses to operate, and the national energy regulator, I think, has only approved one of those so far. So we're still waiting for them. Um, and we also were waiting for Gordon, but he's finally uh, approved the sale. However, there's a little bit of a slight wrinkle, um, which is that the thing was registered back when Dorator was the ESCOM CEO. In other words, he's still listed on the documents as the managing, uh, as, 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 as one of the managers, as a sort of key guy. So as great as the government's efforts were to uh, get rid of Dorator, Chris, seems like, They've accidentally sort of resurrected him from the grave, although I'm sure that won't last long. No, absolutely. But it, it does sort of portray the confusion in this bureaucracy that, that the current government is sort of mired in. So generally, we, we argue a sort of classical liberals for the sort of devolution of powers and the splitting up of state and entities, possibly even the privatization, if, if the business case can be strong enough. In this case, you know, splitting ESCOM into different parts, that doesn't necessarily mean it's, that the different parts are going to perform better. So you're going to still have issues of cater deployment. Who's going to appoint the board members of this new distribution entity? I'm assuming part of the reason, I don't have evidence for this, but just the incentives that are at play. Right. Why it's taken so long for things to move is that government and those vested interests still involved, very much even at ESCOM is the easiest example. They want to ensure that whatever form this distribution company takes and every other sort of new SOE that is touted nowadays, that they still benefit those with political power and those with the necessary political connections that they get the most benefit from it. So it's a sort of that incentives game of they still, the, the, they're realizing this is reality, ESCOM is not performing, we've got high stages of load shedding pretty much consistently, but they want to play into how do we retain control. Yeah, I do also think there's probably an element here of just sheer kind of incompetence and not really feeling like anyone's in a rush to do this because you know oh, whatever we'll get to it eventually um and this it this really has i think one of the great big sort of red marks against uh, robert pause's claims to be a reformer is that this was one of the first things he comes in as president he says we've just won this election the anc has taken a beating but it's managed to hold it's it's uh, you know it's managed to do okay and we're definitely um, going to start changing the way things are done in the country. And it just drags on and on for four years. It's all these fights about, you know, Dereta and corruption and the ANC is far more concerned about their image. And then finally, we seem to be getting towards one of those reforms. Um, as our colleague, uh, Herman Pretoria, said the other day, uh, in that space of time that all these reforms have been planned, the private sector has added more to the grid through little... Uh, solar power projects than uh, than government has 
absolutely crazy stuff and I think a, an indication of the just kind of sickness and malaise that goes right to the heart of, of the way that government has been dealing with the whole of the ESCOM crisis. Okay, um, let's move on to our next story. And this one is <sighs> kind of crazy. So many people in South Africa, particularly in the middle classes, have been living in sectional title properties and complexes in, in gated neighborhoods, that kind of stuff, um, to try and you know shelter themselves from the consequences of state collapse. There's a lot of these all over the country. And some of them are catered to people who are not that well off, but you know, are, I would say solidly in the middle class. Um, apparently now about 27% of the total residential property in South Africa is uh, part of one of these organized communities. And there are about 70,000 community schemes around the country. While this has prompted the Minister of Human Settlements, uh, Minister Kabuya, Kabuyi, to say, you know what we need here? You know what we need with this, this little sheltered thing that's been protecting the middle class from the fact that the police don't work and the services all break and all that is uh, we need to make sure that there's BE compliance in these gated communities. So the minister says they want he want uh, they want to make it rather um, compulsory for all of these things to hire BE companies to do their things like gardening, security services, that kind of stuff. Um, "Quote: We therefore need to put measures in place to ensure that a procurement approach that gives opportunities to emerging SMMEs, especially those from previously disadvantaged communities, becomes mandatory." The uh, minister also went on to bring up this very bizarre point about how uh, apparently there's an enormous amount of intercommunal racial strife within these gated communities and, you know, people need to learn to be more tolerant and such, which I'm not really sure where that comes from. But uh, Chris, what do you make of this? This just seems like, you know, we, we have a sector of the economy that's protecting the middle class, that's uh, kind of adding some value, that's making up for the deficiencies in the state. And now we want to add in what's a, what was under Duraita's phrase, non-value adding uh, regula regulations to this. Yeah, if there's one thing that's probably the worst for sort of organic diversity and people coming together to try and, you know, face the challenges that they do on a daily basis, regardless of race or culture. I mean, in the country that is mostly caused by government policy, like load shedding and water outages, all that sort of thing it would be more government bureaucracy and the government interfering in that sort of way. So wanting to quote unquote attain diversity and economic transformation, but at the end of the day, any sort of scheme or policy based on this sort of thinking and this line of, we need to enforce economic transformation and, and diversity will achieve ultimately the opposite of that. It would, it's in my view would just increase sort of resentment towards government and people kick back against right. it in various ways. But even as we've seen sort of at the national SOE level, it's now going to become more localized where you had former CEO Andre Dereiter talking about non-value adding intermediaries interposed That's in escrow processes. So the same thing here now, those with the necessary political connections will get to be appointed, you know, as these companies to administer XYZ. They won't actually be qualified and be able to add value. It's just about the sort of ticking a box as it were. And I mean, that's, in a way, it takes the sort of state paternalism to a whole more granular, minute level in people's daily lives. And then you, yeah, the kickback against that, I think, is the state is, is underestimating that. Right. I mean, the, you know, it seems completely insane for the government to say, 
Oh, you know that uh, you know that gardening service you you you're uh, you're hiring will actually know uh, the people who cut your grass um, aren't the right ratio of race or <laughs> whatever criteria they're going to put in here. And in the best case scenario, this will just increase costs for people living in these gated communities. And the worst case scenario, it'll hurt the quality of services, which will mean that uh, fewer people will be willing to put up with it and probably go overseas. No making brain drain worse. So this yeah, is one of those alternatively try and solve their own problems and then not hire right. those companies then. Um, so again, exactly. you add to unemployment and all that sort of stuff. So Exactly. If the gardening service is like three times as expensive because it's got a mandatory BE partner sort of squashed in there, then you're just going to be like, well, we can do without it. So everyone from the poor to the rich will be hurt by yet another one of these incredibly short-sighted policies. Uh, speaking of short-sighted policies, let's finish off today with uh, the latest plan from the Department of Water and Sanitation, who's looked at the growing water crisis in South Africa, the fact that um, uh, many municipalities across the country cannot provide clean water to their communities, the fact that there's huge problems with the infrastructure in the places where the water is clean, like uh, many municipalities. So I think something like 40, 30 to 40% of all the water is lost due to leaks. Well, the department says the way to fix this is to create a new state-owned company to manage water. It sounds a little bit like the ESCOM of water. The new state-owned company will design, finance, plan, and build all national water resource infrastructure with the aim of creating a reliable and equitable supply of water in South Africa. And one of the stated reasons for this is they want to be able to improve the water infrastructure across the country without draining state resources so much. So presumably, one of the goals here will be for this new state-owned enterprise to make a profit. Um, you know, I'm a fan of the profit motive and all, but this really doesn't seem like a good idea, particularly with how all of the other state enterprises across the country have been run. Chris, what's your thoughts? Yeah, and ultimately, the sort of new company would still, I'm assuming, be, be able to call on uh, bailouts uh, when it inevitably right. doesn't perform well. So is it really then really motivated by the sort of supply and demand normal market forces? Very strongly not. Again, you've got the political incentives, who gets to appoint the board, the directors, all that sort of thing. Um, and then just broadly, the sort of idea from government side that you just need to spend more or have more government departments or agencies tackling the crises. Education, for example, I think is the second biggest item in the budget yearly, uh, closely followed by debt and interest on the debt and, of course, the public sector wage bill. But just because you spend doesn't mean it's effectively spent, doesn't mean it's done in a way that delivers good services to those South Africans who really need them. So I don't see how, just pragmatically, how this is going to solve anything to do with water infrastructure issues in the country. I, I mean, if the government really wants to try and assist, look at how it spends money nationally in terms of the Department of Water and Sanitation, which municipalities and localities perform better, what are they doing, and how can you help other municipalities to implement the similar plans and, and a sort of upgrades? Exactly. And the common theme running through all three of these stories is everywhere we've got cater deployment and preferential procurement, which are just mm. acting as a kind of vines strangling literally any attempt for someone to make a difference or actually add value to the economy. And if you don't get rid of those principles, it doesn't matter what reorganizations you do, what state and enterprises right. you create, all of that will just be wasted effort because you haven't changed those fundamental toxic policies that are mm. damaging this country so much. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. So uh, we hope that you found it interesting. We'll see you tomorrow on the Daily Friends show at, uh, at 1 at one thirty. And um, all I can say is that's a wrap. 